You're listening to The Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and business mindset coach, Anna Dunleavy, and we'll explore topics on self-doubt, following your intuition, and why self-limiting beliefs might be holding you back. Hello, hello, and welcome back to episode 78. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Hayley of Creatively Hayley. Hayley is a PR expert helping creative businesses to secure PR coverage, and she's worked in the PR industry for the last 14 years, so she knows a thing or two about all of that. And so she's sharing her tips, her knowledge on how to secure PR opportunities, even if you've never done it before. So I won't, you know, I kind of like to keep these short. I won't waffle on any further. Here's Hayley. Hi Hayley, thank you so much for joining me today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do? Oh, thanks so much for having me, Anna. It's really lovely to be here. So I um, I work here with creative PR. So I, I've always believed that PR works better when it comes from you, the business owner. So I work with the creatives, um, small businesses, startups, giving you the tools, the confidence and accountability to just completely ace your own PR. I guess that's, that's effectively me. Yeah, amazing. So I guess it would be really interesting to hear what has led you to where, to, to you know, to now. What has that journey been like for you? And I suppose is PR something that you've done you've always done or is it more of a new thing tell us tell us more so I always feel like this is a really long story so I'll try not to make it too long um PR actually is not my traditional I guess training so I went to university and did um, a degree in photography actually and just almost fell into PR it just felt and like a natural move for me I worked at a photographic gallery for a little bit um, and ended up just sort of falling into the PR side of things so with no qualifications or I guess any formal experience I worked my way from the bottom to the I guess what some people would consider and I absolutely did consider to be my career ceiling you know the head of communications Mm. and at a relatively young age it was ticking all of my success saying that with air quotes boxes and I reached that point and actually it, that it didn't it didn't give me that success feeling that I thought it would give me and I've always for years wanted to be um, my own boss wanted to have my own business in PR I just never really knew what that looked like I knew how it felt but I didn't know how, what it looked like so for a number of years I was dabbling in my mind with some ideas and, and, and what I could do with that um, and then it sort of came to me in the way that small businesses need PR just as much as big businesses do. I think there's a perception that PR is for the big corporates, the multinationals, and that's absolutely not the case. So I kind of saw that as my opportunity to create my own business around PR, giving those skills, the empowerment and the confidence to the smaller businesses, the creatives, those that really need it, and want it as well, I think, to do it themselves. So I think I've been in PR now for 14 years, mm. something yeah. like that. And yeah, so just worked my way up from the bottom to, to where I am now. And I guess I've been in with my own business now for a year. So effectively, I guess I pressed the, the reset button a year ago 
to create my own business and then here I am mm. okay so I really want to dig into obviously PR how it can actually help small businesses like you say there's a perception that actually maybe usually it's better suited to larger companies but maybe that's not the case so we'll dig into that in a second but what I would love to hear is what was the catalyst for starting your own business and when did you realize that actually that success marker of reaching the top wasn't actually hitting the spot so I think that the idea of success is something that's given to us from childhood I think you go into school you have all these meetings you have all these lessons around what do you want to be when you grow up and what are the lessons you need to be selecting when you're in senior school to train you up to get to that point and I think the options when you're young when you take all of those tests on the old-fashioned computers they're all doctors nurses vets and they're all the jobs that you need to have all this academic training for and actually the more creative um, subjects don't Mm. didn't for me come into it and I think I did one of those tests I don't know what it's called now but one of those sort of tests that you do when you're at school to say you know tick all these boxes and then it gives you a career you should have Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think my career that was chosen for me at that young age was something like a park keeper or something (laughs) so I think very strange so I think the idea of success is given to you at a young age and you're told to work hard towards it and I reached my idea of what I thought was success, head of communications at the age of 32. And I was getting all the pats on the back, you know, well done, it's such an achievement. It's amazing. And even down to the small details, I think when you, you change your LinkedIn job status mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and you suddenly get, it opens so many more doors. People want to talk to you because you have the job title and therefore you must be the holder of the big budgets and the decisions. So people naturally gravitate towards those those job titles that sound important. Um, and I think that's when I just kind of thought, actually, I have all that. I have the job title. I have the big budget. I have the responsibilities, the team, but it wasn't fulfilling me. And at that point, I had two children and I think my priorities had shifted and actually I didn't want a career anymore that ticked all those boxes and necessarily had the salary associated with it. I wanted to have the ability to flex and to blend more of a family balance with my work. I wanted to be there for my children more than I was at that particular point. And I think in terms of a catalyst, that was that was probably that realization you know my daughter was starting school and actually it wasn't serving that purpose for me anymore so I think in a really strange way what made me realize that I wanted to start my own business was when we found out I was expecting baby number three I mean what a time to decide you're going to leave the security of a job um, and start up on your own and I guess that yeah it's all sort of happened about probably about two years ago now It's interesting, but I think from, you know, all the women that I speak to, actually, I think starting a family, you know, having young kids actually very often is that trigger to then reassess and actually think, well, hold on a minute. Yes, this is what I thought I wanted. Or this is like you say, it was kind of handed over to me through school, through just the system in general. And then obviously finding out that actually you'd much rather be there for school pickup and 
Yeah, and be actually, you know, like you say, it's that flexibility that a corporate job doesn't always, yeah, it just doesn't always offer that. Yeah, and I think that when I was, so when I was in my 20s, I mean, I have, I was and and still am, but in different ways, very driven, very goal orientated. And when I was 20, (laughs) I used to set myself five year goals. So by the time I was 25, I wanted to achieve X, Y, Z, and they were all very materialistic very checkbox things like I wanted a certain job title I wanted to be earning so much money I wanted to I wanted to own a mini car things like that really materialistic things and I achieved all of that so you know that gives you such a buzz so when I was 25 I set my next five-year challenge which was the next few job titles up the next few salary bands up but within that five-year time frame was when I got married had my first two children and I kind of got to the end of that five-year time frame and just thought I you know those things just don't matter anymore and I know that in my job interview for the the job that I left for the that all-important job title they even asked me they even said to me where do you see yourself in five years time And I think that was almost a point because I think they were looking for the answer of, I want to have your job or, you know, those real career go get them sort of aspirations. But actually, I found myself really cheesily saying, I just want to be happy. (laughs) And, um, And I just at that stage, I thought happy was the job title, the salary, but actually happy was finding the blend. And the only way I was going to get that was by having my own business it's interesting that you talk about these checkbox goals that we set again I think it stems from this kind of I suppose the lesson that we're taught that you've got to be striving for more and achieving but when we think about this achievement it's always very like you say it's kind of materialistic or it in the very obvious way I suppose so job titles that kind of stuff but we don't ever stop to consider and we're never taught to stop and consider or the other stuff that actually, you know, without sounding a little bit cheesy, make a life because it isn't just about the job title and that in itself isn't going to bring that joy or happiness. Yeah, and I think as a female in business, I was always encouraged by other high-flying, in air quote, female um, colleagues, don't ever let children be an excuse not to do things or be your excuse to be late for work or for you know don't basically Mm. leave the children at home don't let that come into it because men would never use an excuse of children or their family to not be at a meeting so you've got to make sure that you're not doing the same thing but actually I can't how can you ignore that how can you not let your family be a major factor into your work your decisions that you make and I think as my children get older they they still need me as much as they did when they were babies when they physically needed me but now they need me in a more emotional level and I can't be that person whilst I'm also striving to be the career person that I was in my 20s and I say all this from my own personal needs wants desires and all of that because some people absolutely smash it 
being both of those things and I just think that's amazing you know some women can have the job titles that they and you know have the jobs and the careers that they have been striving for and working towards all these years and have that blend of family life and they're doing amazingly so I wouldn't I'm not saying all of this in a in a negative way just that it for me it was the right move to make and I needed to do it for, for, for me yeah no I totally agree that obviously there is no right way to do anything Absolutely. and and just because I personally prefer to work from home as an example doesn't mean that everybody else does and a lot of people especially obviously during the time that we've had the, in the past few months we've learned that lots of people actually really struggle with working from home and it doesn't you know suit their mental health or just their personality and so there's just yeah there's 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 no right way to do anything so I totally appreciate but yeah but that's just your experience so back to PR (laughs) so how can it help small businesses and I suppose going back to what you said I do think that there is this perception that it's only suited to larger companies big budget how can a small business that maybe is a startup forward to do PR and and yeah what what is the accessible way um to so I, do that I think the beauty of PR is that it shouldn't cost a huge amount of money um, and there doesn't need to be massive budgets attached to it I think PR has this perception and probably from some of the big Hollywood films exactly yeah that it's um you have to have a really funky agency in a big city that's got some crazy out there name Mm -hmm, that's like mm -hmm. a color and an animal and that it's for the big multinationals but you can do it yourself and sometimes it doesn't even need to be difficult and I know that you've spoken about this in the past Anna but so with PR it's that it's not a quick fix it is a a long-term commitment and you do have to dedicate some energy time to doing it but if you can embed it right from the word go into any of your business strategies it doesn't need to be difficult and I would suspect that most small businesses small creatives are already doing it to a certain extent they just don't realize they're doing it so how can a small business really do it well PR for me really is at the heart of it is building relationships so you're building relationships with journalists with media outlets with your customers through those channels some businesses probably are already doing it um, on different levels and it doesn't need to have a big budget attached to it you just need to have the confidence and have the right tools to know that you're doing it properly hopefully that answers that question (laughs) It does. But I wonder, actually, what you just said in terms of, you know, knowing that you're doing it properly. I think maybe there is a little bit of a, I think the entire process can feel a little bit intimidating, especially if we've never done it before. And like you say, kind of in our minds, you know, even if we take the most recent of kind of series like Emily in Paris, it's like big budgets big fancy events that's kind of what comes to mind when you think of PR and so how can we make it accessible and easy for that person who perhaps hasn't ever even considered doing anything like this so a good place to start would be really understanding who your customer is so whether you're a product-based business or a service-based business you really need to have a good understanding of who you're talking to and 
the demographic of that person, their likes, their, what their morals are, what their values are, um, because that's effectively what you, who you are selling to. So once you've got a good idea of who your customer is, you need to know where they are hanging out. So what media they're consuming. I talk a lot and I love an, an analogy. So I talk a lot about how um, you can't bake a good cake without getting all your ingredients ready. So with PR, you need to start at the beginning, get all your ingredients together, and then it gives you a really good groundwork for getting going. So understanding who your audience is, knowing where they're hanging out, so to speak. So what media are they consuming? What podcasts are they listening to? What blogs are they reading? What papers, magazines, what radio stations are they listening to? And you'll need to do a bit of research in that. The only thing that you're giving up for that is your time. So just have a have a good look at get an idea of who your customer is. If they're on social media, find who your ideal customer is on social media and just do a bit of a look. You know, they give away clues in what they're talking about. They might share something, which is a podcast they've been listening to. They might talk about um, a section from a book that they've been reading. So these will all give you ideas of what media they're consuming. Have a look. You might also find that the business that you're running, the type of customer that you are appealing to actually is a lot like you because I think a lot of us women do that we create businesses for people just like us because we see a gap in the market for something that we want so what media do you like what magazines do you read do you listen to and really get an understanding of of what they are read them watch them listen to them don't just have them on a list um, and know what they are what those titles are really read them and understand them and get to know them because when you want to start pitching to the people who are writing in them you need to sound like you have an understanding of them uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. so um get your groundwork in know who your audience is what media they're consuming and then the next stage is to really understand and and get a really good grip of what you want to say to them so you need to know what your messages are. So if, for example, you're running a company that is an ethical company, that's sustainable, what are your values within that? What's your point of view on consumerism? What's your uh, point of view on ethical sourcing? All of these different types of things. So what are the messages that you want to be giving to the people who are writing the articles? So I'd say that would be a really good starting point for anybody who wants to make a start with their own PR you need to sort of get the groundwork in so once you've done all that that will give you a good platform to start there's lots lots to take in there (laughs) (laughs) but as you say I think starting from the beginning and getting really clear on what it is that you know the audience that we're trying to attract so that then when we are going out to pitch it's not just throwing spaghetti at the wall we're actually being a lot more intentional about it yeah and I think the other important thing to know is that if you're a product-based business, you're selling your makes, your mm-hmm. items, your products. If you make cupcakes, you're selling your cupcakes. If you're wall hangings, you're selling a wall hanging. But if you're a service-based business, you're selling you. Yeah. You're selling the idea of what it's like to work with you. You're selling your personality, your values, your ethics, your backstory, because people are working with you. So you're selling that experience so and all of that is already in you because it's who you are so it you don't need to go through all of these crazy expensive journeys to find any of that out because it's it's already in you you just need to 
to bring it out and know what your opinions are on the things that really matter to you. If your product or service addresses a particular issue or need, what are your thoughts on it? Where do you stand on that? Be an expert in your own field and present yourself as an expert. So if you are a coach for a particular need or an area in life, across all of your channels, your blogs, your podcasts, your social media channels, show your expertise because people will see your values and they'll connect with them and then they'll want to work with you. It's not often the case, I don't think, that if you're a service-based business, people might not necessarily approach you because they've seen a particular service or course that you're offering they want to work with you because they like your values and they resonate with you and they their own values are aligned with yours. And through the process of speaking with you, discovery calls and, and all of that, then you can find which process and which service suits them and what they need. But you might most of the time find that it doesn't even matter what you're offering. They just want to work with you mm. and they'll find a way, whatever that is, of working with you because they want your knowledge. They want your expertise and they like working with you. And, and that's what you're selling with a service based business. Yeah. So to follow on from that, I think one of the things that I found when, when working with clients, particularly around if they are a service based business, is actually when you are having to pitch. It is like you say, you know, you are essentially selling your values and what you stand for. And that in itself can be quite difficult. Yeah. And it's something obviously that I work with my clients on, but it doesn't mean that I still don't struggle with that at times. And so I wonder whether you have any tips in terms of how can we confidently pitch and put ourselves out there in that way to secure potential PR opportunities? So there are a number of ways. And I would say one of the big, one of the main ways you can do it is, so be aware topically of what's going on. So if there are any developments in your field or any um, protocols or any legislation or anything that's come into your area that impacts the way you work, or if there's been a recent study that's come out that has shown that X, Y, Z affects this amount of people, which is directly related to your work, as quickly as you can, form your opinion and your response to what that is and get it out there. So if, for example, you are um, what you work in data processing and you help people with databases and that's your service offering. So when the, the GDPR legislation came in a few years ago form your opinion form make sure you're secure and confident with what your standpoint is on all of that write a blog post about it get in contact with a podcast someone who runs a podcast and offer that opinion so when you're pitching to people I think a lot of people are a little bit nervous about what that pitch might look like or sound like and can sometimes fall into the trap of just saying oh I'd love to be on your podcast or I'd love to have a I'd love to be a guest blogger with you let me know if that's of interest I mean these people might receive thousands of emails Mm. like that and have a thousand other things going on so make their job easier by telling them what you can give them in your pitch show that you know 
their their platform there whether it's a podcast a blog a website a radio station or a magazine show that you you read it show that you've listened to it that you you understand it and you are you share the values or whatever you don't want it to look like you're just flinging out loads of bcc'd pitch emails so show that you have invested your understanding and your time into what they are producing tell them who you are briefly succinctly tell them who you are and tell them what you can offer them so um, I'd love to write guest blog posts that might fit in with this regular section that you often have guests on so showing Mm -hmm, that you mm -hmm. you 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 read it and I can talk about xyz they might look at that and think oh that's great I hadn't even thought of that or I've been looking for someone that can talk to us about this I just haven't had the time you've landed in my inbox how amazing is this so tell them what value you can bring to their platform and don't be put off or embarrassed or feel bad if you don't get a response Mm -hmm. or if they come back and say thanks but no thanks I pitched for something the other day and the journalist came back to me and said that sounds great I'm not really looking for that at the moment but I'll let you know if that changes the fact that I even had a response is great because often they're so busy they don't get a response but journalists will file all of this away and something might happen in topical news that will trigger a thought that you spoke to them so it and this is where it comes in with the no quick fix and it's a long game it might be that whatever you pitch for now doesn't come back to you for another few months and that but that's okay mm-hmm. yeah just understanding that like you say it's not necessarily going to turn into a big article straight away but it's it, and I guess in in pitching and in doing this you are practicing and learning to be more confident about it, which in itself is obviously going to be really useful in the long run anyway. Absolutely. It it could be one email that you've perfectly written and you've researched and you've got a really good understanding for might be a winning opportunity for you that could bring in loads of business. Or it could be that it gets filed away by the journalist and they come back to it in a few months' time. And that's where the importance of building relationships with the people that you're pitching to um, comes in and it has to be genuine there's no mm-hmm. point in saying oh I've been watching your webinars or I've been watching your pod uh, your YouTube videos if you haven't been mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. then it's it's not aligned with you it feels empty and that will come across to the audience as well there's no point in pitching for stuff if it's not if it's not right or if it doesn't feel good to you because it just it won't it won't work yeah I I get a lot of cold pitches for the podcast and it's usually from someone who is managing pitching for a number of people yeah they send out a template email and I know that they have no idea who my audience is I know that they have no idea the topics we discuss because a lot of the time you know they might come from like really corporate backgrounds and talk about I don't know solicitors or something and it's so completely irrelevant to my audience that I don't bother responding because I don't have the time and I know it sounds you know it kind of it feels harsh to begin with but that's just that's just the way it is and like you say I think just being genuine and actually knowing who you're pitching to understanding what they might be looking for because ultimately it's going to be mutually beneficial as long as you do your research and you're actually genuine about it entirely that absolutely Mm. that 
I only pitch for stuff that feels good for me and if so there's a magazine that I absolutely love and want to pitch for but I've bought the subscription first I've I engage with their content on social media because I absolutely love everything about the magazine but know that if I come to it with limited knowledge it's I I don't yet know if that magazine really is right for me I mean I know it is but I need to put the I need to put the time and the effort into to really getting a good to grips with it. Likewise, your your podcast I've been listening to for a good few years now. My commutes into that um, <laughs> corporate role that never um, that never really fulfilled me. So I knew that it was it felt right for me to approach you. And likewise with other blogs that I'm speaking to, I read the blogs and I know mm-hmm. that the content they put out. So not only is it my audience that I'm reaching to but it's right for me and it's aligned with me. Yeah, well, that's a really important point, I think, actually, because you don't want to necessarily be pitching everywhere and anywhere and later down the line find out that something doesn't align at all because often, you know, maybe someone takes a completely different standpoint on something or an important issue to you and that could potentially reflect badly on you later down the line because your audience then might think well hold on a minute something doesn't align here yeah so I think yeah there's lots of considerations to be made yeah and I think with the you mentioned before about when you when you get pictures and they're on behalf of other Mm. people and I think that they can be great to give people a head start giving templates emails for pitching which which can be useful and I think people it could be seen as a cost-effective way of approaching people. But because PR is about building relationships, it doesn't come across as genuine if you just feel like you've been BCC'd into a string of pitches. And this is why I always say that everyone has the ability and the, the skills to be to do their own PR it's all in there they just it just needs teasing out of them mm-hmm. and a pitch template I don't want to ruin anyone's business by saying this but I personally don't feel like that's necessarily the right way to go but I mean I've dabbled with it before and I've said to people oh I could create you a pitch template oh well, I'm not really sure that's actually the right way to go about it because it needs to be you it needs to be genuine it needs to it can't just there is no template for building those relationships and delivering your messages. Mm, Yeah, I love that. (laughs) So if we were to go back to pitching, pitching to journalists, where do you even begin to find them? Because that's one of the things I think that people struggle with as well. Where are they? (laughs) Um, So there are opportunities out there which you could pitch for or you could create your own. Mm -hmm. So the ones that are already out there. So have a look at the magazines that you've got in mind that you want to go for. And the journalists will have a byline. So they'll be their name will be written and the title of the article. So you can see who's written it. 
find them on social media and engage with them on there. Or um, a lot of the magazines um, on the inside front cover have a list of the editorial team. Yeah. Um, and it'll tell you um, who's writing what. So if it's a regular feature, like a magazine that puts a gift guide together or top 10 or interview with those sort of regular features, you want to look for the, the features editor or a features writer. The editor isn't always, depending on the size of the magazine, isn't always the best person to go for because they've got a million and one mm-hmm, other things mm-hmm. to do. And each article will be assigned to a certain writer. And actually, if it isn't assigned to a certain writer, you can pitch to write it yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so on the websites of the titles right at the bottom of the page sometimes not always sometimes um there's things called forward features or an editorial calendar um if you click on that and have a look at that it'll give you a year ahead for what they're planning editorial wise i would suggest staying away from advertorials it can seem like a good idea because you're being told you could have a full page worth of information about your company but it often comes with a couple of thousand pounds price tag attached to it Mm -hmm. and I think if you get that mention from a journalist um you're receiving an endorsement from them that you don't get if you've paid for the space and it comes across as more genuine to the people reading it. So stick to the editorial rather than the advertorial. And it'll give you an idea of what they've got coming up. And sometimes it tells you who is actually writing it. If it doesn't say who's writing it, contact the magazine and ask to write it yourself. Lots of really, really useful information. Are there any final kind of do's or don'ts when it comes to doing your own PR? Be genuine to yourself. Don't just fire stuff out for the sake of it. Um, Really understand what it is you're trying to deliver, to sell, and who it is you're speaking to and understand the title or the podcast or the blog that you're approaching as well. It has to be right for you. Otherwise, it just, just won't be genuine. So I ask all of my guests this question. And so if there was one tip you could give your younger self, what would it be? Oh, do you know what? I really thought about this one long (laughs) and hard. Um, And I think I'd probably tell my younger self just to chill out a little bit. (laughs) I mean, spoke earlier about all of my targets that I gave myself Mm. and wanting to achieve X, Y and Z by the time I was a certain age. And I think I probably looking back, I mean, I don't regret any of it because it's brought me to where I am but I probably just tell myself to chill a bit, go with the flow and just be open to opportunities that came in rather than being so blinkered by the path that I had set myself mm-hmm. to achieve. Yeah, blinkered or, you know, just laser focused. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose it's hard, isn't it, though, when you have a very certain vision of what you're aiming towards? it's then sometimes hard to go slower or you're right it is hard to go slower and I think particularly in your in my 20s when I didn't have the responsibilities of family my life was my career so I put my all into it and there's nothing wrong with that but I think Mm. I maybe could have just chilled out a little bit (laughs) amazing okay well thank you so much for joining me today where can people find you I am Creatively Haley on Instagram and my website Creatively Haley and those are my main my main channels. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. 
thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'd be so, so grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes so that other female creatives can find this podcast too.